Welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics of the Bible, following the example of the Book of Acts Church, finding the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, so that we can regain the world-shaking influence they had and shake this world one last time before the return of the King. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. The Word is the Word, and we're going to preach it and teach it that way. If you're here to have your ears tickled, you're in the wrong spot. But if you believe you're a part of the remnant and you want to get ready, you're in the right spot. Porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining that power, that dunamis shaking power that they had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns, and that's what we're doing tonight. We're going back to upper room basics, back to the fire of the Holy Spirit. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. One word, lowercase, the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, and we appreciate each and every one of you that do, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Bottom of the homepage are ways to do that. We know that things are tight right now. We've seen a drop-off, and we're doing some budget crunching and changing some things. I haven't made final decisions yet. Some of you have written me to tell me where you listen from, and I will let you know in the days ahead where I'm going to have to stop paying for streaming. But no matter what, you can hear us for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. The other places we're heard and we pay for is Spreaker.com, BlogTalkRadio.com, Podbean, and SoundCloud. So welcome. Welcome to all of our listeners, wherever you're from. Now, this is the community part of the porch. If you don't want to be a part of that and don't want to hear it, jump right to the sound of the shofar, and that'll take you into the Bible study. But we start out with praise reports and prayer requests, and there's a lot of people that have a lot of prayer requests tonight. So I'll start out by praising him. I praise him for my salvation as I mentioned last week, 33 years, and I am blessed. He gave me back the family I gave away, I discarded. He healed those relationships, and he gave me um, daughter-in-laws and a grandson and furry kids, and he gave me a job. He put me to work in the family business, and I am thankful. I'm thankful that he allows me to do this with you. I love teaching the Word because I love the Lord and I love His Word. And I really enjoy helping people understand and get ready. So that's my first praise report. Second is for the home and the family he's given me. My wife, my son, my daughter-in-laws, our grandson, uh, furry kids, all those things, this home, the technology, it all comes from him for provision and protection, for living in supernatural times. Joel 2, 28 times. Acts chapter 2 times. We're in those. We're also in the onset of the days of Noah. So 
Let's get ready. Let's praise him. Praise him for healing virtues. Praise him for the use of his name and having all the authority delegated to us in heaven and earth. For the continued revelation that he shares with anybody who's listening. It's not just me. It's not just anybody who thinks they're special. The Holy Spirit will share with anyone who wants to know. We're all new creations. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Each one of us has access to the throne room and direct access to Him. So we'll start out with prayer by praying for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Psalm 122, verse 6. Praying for Israel, praying for Jerusalem, praying for their leadership and their protection. Pray for America, that God would truly, truly shed His grace upon us, that we would change and repent and do what needs to be done before it's too late. Praying for his divine abiding favor in this nation, that he would inspire those of us who know him to stand together in prayer and rise up against the darkness. Um, I'm praying for all the people that are being victimized, not just here in America, but around the world. Bad leadership, totalitarian, dictator-type leaderships that are trying to subject their people. I'm praying with each and every one of you, and I hope that you're praying with us. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound, the oppressed, and those that are victims of injustice. I'm praying for the slaughter of the innocents, praying against it, not for it, but praying against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, almost every day for some reason. I look up at the Lord and I repent. We've been such bad stewards of his creation. I'm praying for the missing and exploited children and their families, the victims of sex trafficking. Each and every day you see people disappear, and some get a lot of publicity, but for the most part nobody seems to care. I care. I pray every day for them. I pray for them to be saved, be found, be delivered, and for God to deal with those that do those things. For our brothers and sisters around the world, both Jew and Christian, that are being slaughtered, persecuted for their faith, we're seeing a rise of that in North America. Pretty soon, folks, we're going to see what everybody around the world has been seeing and feeling. We need to pray against the spirit of the Antichrist. No, he has not stepped out of the shadows. I believe the church is keeping him restrained, but I believe he's pushing forward. He's leaning in. He's trying to get out there. He's trying to manipulate circumstances that we, as a body, can push back on. Praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing as each and every one of us get back to our divine design. Join with me and repent over what you've done to your body that's been against his word and against his rules. This is a temple that he's given us, and for the most part, we've not taken care of it. I'm doing better with it now, but over the years, I have pushed too hard, too long. I honor the Sabbath rest, but then the rest of the week, I overdo it. I'm learning. We're always in process. I'm healing and being healed. I'm being restored so that I can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, that I can rise up with wings as eagles to do what he's called us to do. If you need healing, ask him for it. We touch and agree right now for each and every person that needs healing. 
whether you're sick or injured, whatever it is, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, inside out, top to bottom, be healed, be made whole, your body in right relationship with him and his word. Praying for divine protection, that Psalm 91 covering for each and every one of us, for inspiration, for the fire of the Holy Spirit, the revelation, knowledge, words of wisdom to come forth, for the remnant to wake up, rise up, and answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know someone that's been blessed, be bold enough to tell them to be a blessing. Remind them that all good things come from above. Praying for the doors to be open. The newsletter went out with some updates about the documentary and some other things. If you haven't gotten it, check your junk folder. If not, write to us and I will make sure that you get it. We need to finish the job. We need to get it done. And finally, for all of our lost family members to come into the kingdom and be saved while there's still time. Um, for our family, pray, pray for our grandson, Jason. He's got a lingering cold and congestion that has kept him out of uh, preschool all week. Uh, my friend Jane in Los Angeles, still dealing with health, health issues, needs direction and insight from the Lord. Allison in Scotland, always good to hear from you. If we played uh, the game who came, who listened from furthest away, I think you win. Um, I'm asking you to keep her and her family in your prayers. The Lord will know why, as well as her friend Stephen, who she has asked us to pray for. Woody in Central Florida needs some prayer for some work-related issues, guidance, and direction. Whatever you're going through right now, some laws or not laws, mandates are being enacted that are wrong, in my opinion. And you're being put in uncomfortable situations. Seek the word and the will of the Lord. Get it confirmed by two or three witnesses. Stacy in Texas asking for prayer for a family member who's being falsely accused at work and put under intensive scrutiny. Let's pray for the truth to be revealed and all the lies to be exposed quickly so that it doesn't affect their um, job or their income. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she's always um, gives an update. She always stays in touch. I know some of you have written and asked me why I do this. Well, Kim's one of the reasons I do it, and I've had others tell me that even though they may not send stuff in, this is important to them to know how to pray. She says, I'm great, and I thank the Lord for that. As always, I'm grateful for my salvation and my recovery. I know you might be getting tired of hearing that, but I have to remind myself every day the dark place I came from. He saved my soul and gave me the life I prayed for back then. Please continue to protect us, she says, and provide for my family and I. Keep us safe. They're traveling to Hawaii Saturday morning. Her husband is retiring from the military after 21 years and be coming home. So that's a prayer request. The dynamics are about to change, especially from with somebody who's been in the military this long, starting a new chapter of their life. He's been there um, since he was 18. So adjusting to civilian and family life, she's asking for prayer for his soul and protection from the enemy. Guide him. Give him courage that he needs. Deliver him from everything he has seen and experienced over these 
21 years and for any family issues and bondages that continue to hold him back. Praying for breakthrough, forgiveness, and healing. Praying for each of her children as they go out into this world to guide them. She's asking for prayer to keep them safe and close to the Father. Praying for a mother's soul to be saved and for a healthy body and mind. Praying for her dog Bruno, for the porch community, and for the innocent in Jesus' name. Lord, you know all these things I don't have to tell you, but I do anyway, because you tell us to. You tell us to boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we love you. We need you. We're desperate for you. We want to see you. We want to feel you. We want to hear your voice. So, Lord, we know that that's what you do through the Holy Spirit. We know the Father is always there. But you're the one who touches us. You're the one that holds us. You're the one that lifts us up and tells us how much we are loved. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for not being in the tomb. You're not a dead prophet. You're a risen Savior. Thank you for sending back the Holy Spirit, whom we're going to talk about tonight, so that we can understand him better. So, Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to help us with that. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes and ears. Give us wisdom and understanding, revelation, knowledge. Let us know more about you so that when you walk with us, we can hear you whisper. When you correct us, we can follow correction. And when you empower us, we can use it properly. So bless this time, bless the technology and everything that we're doing tonight. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. And just so that you know, I am still recording everything. I have not caught up. I have not gotten them all up into the porch folder and Vimeo. I'm working on it. That's another probably prayer request that I catch up. And get back into the groove I was in initially. So we're still talking about the upper room. We're talking about the upper room because it changed everything. For the world and, more importantly, for the church. So I didn't know where to go with the last couple of weeks. And um, Larry and I pray every day. And it's something we talked about yesterday triggered some thoughts. And maybe we need to get back to the basics of the upper room. We need to get back to the basics of the Holy Spirit and fire. And for the remnant to get fired up for the days ahead. So let's revisit that transformational event for some renewed understanding. That means we go first to Acts chapter 1. Open your Bibles. As I've always said, when the shofar sounds, that means Bibles open 
whatever you're using to take note to keep track of the scriptures. Hopefully you're downloading them, uh, the, the podcast, to listen to them afterward. Acts 1, starting with verse 4. And being assembled with them, he, being the Lord, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now we know that Acts 4 traces and ties us back to John 14, verses 15 through 17, where the Lord said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The promise of the Father was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now there are seven references in Scripture to the baptism in the Spirit. And this is primarily the New Testament. Five are prophetic. To Matthew 3.11, talking, this is John the Baptist speaking, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit, Spirit, I'm sorry, and fire. John, uh, Luke 3.16 says the same thing, I indeed will baptize you with water, But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Remember, they all heard and taught and wrote down the same things, but a little differently. One talked about a sandal to carry. The other one talks about loosing the strap. But they all said this, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Same thing in Mark 1.8 and the same thing in John 1.33. Another is is historical, Acts chapter 11. This is Peter talking about his trip to Cornelius' house in Acts 10. And Peter told the disciples and those that had gathered together, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts 10, verses 44 through 48, he's talking about Yeshua. He's talking about why he died, how he died. And while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon those that were listening. And these are the people of the circumcision. These are not Jews. And Peter and the Jewish people, the brothers that were with him, were astonished. Because the gift of the Spirit that had been prophesied to the Jews, had now been poured out on the Gentiles also. And they began to speak 
with tongues and magnify God. That's why Peter said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and then they asked them to stay with him a few days. Remember, they got baptized in the Spirit first, and then the water. And then there's one in 1 Corinthians that's doctrinal for the church. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Messiah. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink in one Spirit. So the repetition in content is to indicate importance in intent. The Lord is not, he doesn't repeat himself. He doesn't forget what he said. He inspired them to all write this down because it's so important. It's key to who we are as his church. And that phrase, shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's Phrasing is in the passive tense, and it indicates that the baptism is not dependent upon our efforts, but upon the promise that he made. It's based upon the Lord's will. So it it demonstrates that there's no uncertainty or doubt in the promise. But let me clarify, even though it's based upon his will, we must submit to it and let it happen. I mean, just think of somebody who's fighting with the person trying to baptize them. (laughs) That's the visual I want you to get. Resisting being dunked in the water. No, you have to submit. You have to let it happen. And if you're having trouble with this, then there's something interfering. The Greek word for baptize means to immerse or to dip. It indicates being identified with someone or something. So spirit baptism means that we have been placed in spiritual union with one another in the body of Messiah, which is his church. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. It puts us in spiritual union with the rest of the church through the Lord, in the throne room, through the connection of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've paid any attention to the enemy and his teaching in the New Age and the occult, you've heard the term collective consciousness or universal consciousness. That's the enemy teaching and preaching a counterfeit connection. The true universal collective consciousness is through the Lord of the universe by his Holy Spirit. And the only people that get that are those that are born again and are in his body. So the Lord's statement about the gift of the Holy Spirit about to happen, that they should wait for it, it triggered a concern because they knew the Old Testament prophecies about the establishment of God's kingdom. That's why they said, will you restore the kingdom at this time? 
They were anticipating the kingdom rule that Messiah had been prophesied to bring, and it was creating a concern in them. So what were they basing it on? Well, they were all had been taught the scriptures. They'd been taught the Old Testament, as we call it. I don't know who was better at it than most. I don't know who studied more. It doesn't indicate that. But they knew Isaiah 32, verses 15 through 20. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Though hail may come down on the forest, and the city is brought low in humiliation, blessed are you who sow beside all the waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey, jumped Isaiah 44. Verse three: I will pour out on him who is. Th- I will pour water out on him who is thirsty. Let me do that again. Praise you, Lord. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. Then will spring up among the grass. They will spring up among. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. It is just really, um, the electricity in this room just changed. Whoa. This is really important stuff. This is really important to the Lord. I don't know if it is to you, but it is to me, and I want to get this right. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand the Lord's and his name himself by the name of Israel. And then we have to, of course, go to Joel 2, starting with verse 28. Remember, all this ties back to Acts chapter 2. All of this ties back to Acts chapter 1, when they're sitting there in the Mount of Olives. Nothing in this word is frivolous, or meaningless, it all ties together. Joel 2.28, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. That's the first prophecy about the coming Messiah fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, now connects to the second prophecy in Joel 2, which starts with verse 30. And, that's the hook to the first part, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. The day of the Lord could not happen until the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion 
and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. That was on Calvary. As the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Then chapter 3 goes into the judging of the nations. The release of the Holy Spirit through the church brings correction to the world and then judgment to the world. God does everything in a process. See, what the disciples didn't understand, his earthly kingdom was not in place yet. The spiritual one was, but the coming establishment of the kingdom was in process. That's what the promise of the Father returns to. So in Acts 1, verse 8, they were focused on or concerned about the date of the Lord's return. But their job was to carry his message throughout the world. Instead of asking what, they were asking when. The message of repentance and reconciliation proceeds his return. It proceeds it. Stop praying for judgment. Stop asking the Lord to judge until the repentance and the reconciliation phase is over. Grace and mercy precede judgment. That's why the Lord desires all men to be saved. That's why he gave us this dunamis power to take the gospel out there. You shall receive power. You shall receive explosive, dynamic power. Not for personal godly living, as demonstrated in the Old Testament saints. That would be a byproduct of the infilling, but not the primary purpose. This power was for a new task, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Why would we need special power to do that? Well, if, I, if, if you don't know that answer, you've not been paying attention, but I'll give you the scriptures. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. 2 Corinthians 3, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Hasatan and the fallen have blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, that fire light that comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us that represents the image of God. We need to be witnesses. That's what the Lord said, be witnesses. That's the command he gave the disciples and therefore to us, regardless of the consequences. That's the other reason you're going to need this Holy Spirit. All but one of the 11 apostles became martyrs. John is the only one who died a natural death. The Lord empowered them and us to be faithful witnesses even when faced with the most vehement opposition. 
That same power is available to us today. That same calling is available to us today. You want a calling? I'll give you a calling. How about the Great Commission? Get that one down and then go do the others. We're so busy in the church teaching callings and having conferences and videotapes and DVDs. I'm sorry, I just aged myself. I just got a little agitated. Streaming and internet. Let's learn your calling. Let's get the first one right. How many people have you gotten saved? How many people have you shared the gospel with? How many people have you laid hands on the sick and, and re- they recovered or cast out demons? Stop worrying about all this other stuff. Stop worrying about credentials and, and buildings and programs. Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to the upper room. Those people came out of the upper room fired up, jacked up. They shook the world. They wouldn't shut up. They did everything they were told to do. They were not distracted. They were not dissuaded. They were not dismayed. They kept going no matter what. So our task is not to convince people of anything, but to testify to the truth of the gospel. Let's go now to Acts 1 verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched... He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. They were not on their way to a wedding. These were angels, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Yeshua, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Why are you standing there looking? It's okay. He's going to come back just the way he left. Well, he left from the Mount of Olives. We know that from this, Acts 1, but we also know it from Luke 24. Starting with verse 50, he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now shall come the pa- it now came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them, was parted from them and carried up into heaven. I don't know, folks, if you're not excited, something's wrong. I'm so excited right now, I can't even read my notes. It must have been awesome. First of all, he's resurrected. He's not dead. He's hung out with them for 40 days. He's eaten with them. He's taught them. And now he just takes off. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They didn't run away from the temple. They didn't run away from the threat. They ran to it. This was his last physical appearance on earth. Taken up into heaven. Where he remains until the time for the final restoration of all things. Acts 3 verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. 
which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Yeshua didn't correct his disciples' views concerning the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Instead, he corrected their views. He changed their focus. He changed that to why instead of when. Why are you doing this? We focus on all the wrong things, and 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 Hasatan and the fallen are brilliant in doing that. Times or seasons is is um, the chronology of the duration of time, meaning how long. And when we pray, sometimes and we know that something's coming, it's been prophesied, it's been confirmed by two or three witnesses you know deep inside of you, what do you ask? When? How long, Lord? And I always hear him say, it's imminent, be patient. Times and seasons refer to epochs or events that occur within time. They didn't need to know how long it would be before he set up his earthly kingdom because they had the task to help him through the spiritual kingdom to get things ready. The writers of of the letters, Peter and some of the others, they point back to the Old Testament prophets who, who knew what would happen. They just didn't know when. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And they just stood there and stared. Thankfully, the angels showed up to break that moment and told them that he will come in like manner as you saw him go. In like manner. Where where do we see reference to what that means? First Thessalonians 4, starting with verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the shout of command, with the voice of the archangel, in this case Michael, and with the blast of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Messiah will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain on the earth will simultaneously be caught up, raptured together with them in the air, snatched up, the resurrected ones in the clouds, with them, the resurrected ones in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. See, he's told us what would happen. She didn't tell us when. King James Study Bible says the order of events at the time of Messiah's coming, the Lord will descend with the shout, the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God, a heavenly shofar. The dead Messiah will be resurrected and those who remain will be caught up with them in the clouds. The dead Messiah are the believers of the church age. And that word, that phrase, caught up in the Greek, is harpazo, to seize, seize, not sneeze, to seize, snatch. The Latin word for that is raptus, which is where we get the word rapture. So when somebody says to you the word rapture is not in the Bible, you can say, correct, it's not. 
It's in its Greek form of harpazo. The doctrine of the rapture of the church is clearest in this scripture, but we have indicators elsewhere as well. The promise of the Lord in John 14, starting in verse 1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Listen very carefully. I tell you a mystery, a secret truth decreed by God and previously hidden but now revealed. We will not all sleep in death, but we will all be completely changed, wondrously transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call. For a trumpet will sound, and the dead who believed in Messiah will be raised imperishable and will be completely changed, wondrously transformed. Do we have any examples of this? Enoch was snatched away, as was Elijah. The Lord snatched up into heaven from the Mount of Olives, which is where he will come in his second coming. Please do not confuse the rapture of the church with the second coming, which brings judgment. Prophesied in Zechariah 14. Folks, I'm giving you a lot of scripture tonight. You may have to download this, and you may have to follow it to tie it all together. Zechariah 14, verse 1. Behold, the day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you, Jerusalem, will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured. And the houses plundered, and the women ravished, and half the city will be exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. In that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in half from the east to the west by a very large valley, and half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. All the enemies, all the armies of the world will gather in Jerusalem. And at that moment, he'll split the sky and he'll deal with it. So the distinction between the rapture, which relates to the church, and the second coming, which relates to to Israel and the world is very distinct. One, he comes to snatch his children out of harm's way. The second, he comes in power and glory to establish his earthly kingdom. But uh, what I want you to get here is that he promised to never leave us nor forsake us, but that he would always be with us even to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If you don't know what it is, make a copy of it. Put it somewhere. Remind yourself every day 
what the Great Commission is. And Yeshua came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How is that possible? The infilling of the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 15 and 8 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, a parakletos, someone to walk beside you, that he may abide with you forever. This is not going away. The gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit did not go away. Abide is permanent residence. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You are connected to the Lord in the throne room right now. Through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you are perpetually in connection to him. If you're listening, you don't need someone to tell you what the Lord is thinking. You don't need to run here or run there get a word from the Lord. Stop. Ask. Listen. Holy Spirit dwells in all believers. He fulfilled his promise. I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. He does that when we meet him in the air. We're not alone. We're never alone. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, is always with us. And the fire of the upper room still burns because of that. Don't let anybody tell you it's changed. The day of Pentecost is not over. The church age has not ended. We still need this Holy Spirit. We still need his guidance. We still need his inspiration. If the Holy Spirit's gone, or if it's no longer necessary for this, how are we supposed to convict the world of sin? or of righteousness, or of judgment. Because that's what he says in John 16, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, wouldn't it make sense that Hasatan would trick the church into thinking that was no longer the case? He doesn't want you to convict anyone of sin. He doesn't want you to to convict them of seeking righteousness or being warned of judgment. Because that's what the Lord's doing through the church. Maybe part of the problem in the world right now so that the Holy Spirit is not being shown by the church. They're not getting it. Where's the conviction of sin? 
Where's the, the, the inspiration of the need of righteousness? Where's the warning of the coming judgment? We're the bearers of the fire. We're the bearers of the truth. It's not happening because we're not doing the job. But that's why you need to wake up. You're the remnant. If you're here, and I say this, but I don't say it glibly. If you're here, you're part of the remnant. I've been called to speak and teach and prepare the remnant. Stop getting caught up in doctrines and and eschatology and all these things, which really don't change anything. What changes people is the good news, the gospel. When the Helper comes, whom he shall send from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, proceeds from the Father, emanates from the Father, which means comes from the throne room. He will testify of me, the Lord says in John 15, verses 26 and 27. And you will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. That gets passed down from disciple to disciple to believer to believer. I remember when Pastor Shelley laid hands on me to receive the Holy Spirit. I'd just gone through deliverance. I'd just been set free of the guardian demons that had walked with me my entire life. I remember I got tongue-tied. What was coming out of my mouth was gibberish, and I couldn't control my tongue, and I paused, and I took back control. And I remember Shelley going, Oh, you almost had it. The actor in you took control. But I couldn't stop my legs from shaking. Actually, my whole body was doing a bad impersonation of Elvis Presley. I was just, my legs were just going back and forth. And I looked at him and said, "I, I I can't stop this. He goes, don't. Fire is running up and down your body. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit that you're feeling. He had to catch me off guard. Days later, when I was interceding for my cousin Bobby, who I've told you about, as he was dying. And while I cried out to my Abba Father, what started coming out of my mouth was an unknown tongue. sounded like Hebrew, but I didn't know what I was saying, and I couldn't control it, and I couldn't stop it because it was coming from my heart. It wasn't coming from my mind. We're the mouthpieces of God. We're his voice. Not the person on the stage. Not the person behind the microphone or in front of the camera. All of us, each and every one of us, are the mouthpieces of God. We're his witnesses. We're the ones who bring the Holy Spirit into the world to tell them the truth about sin. Inspire them to seek righteousness and warn them of judgment. Sometimes when I'm praising the Lord and praising the Father, one of the phrases I use is, How majestic is your name in all the earth? 
And when he was received up and they were standing there staring at him, I know what I would be thinking. The majesty of that moment. The king is returning to the throne room to sit back on the throne. And knowing that for us, the church, I believe we'll see him when he comes back to snatch us out of here. I don't believe the world will because they can't. They'll see him when he comes back in in judgment. Oh, they'll see him then when he splits the sky. But I believe when he snatches us out of there to be out of here to be with him up there, we're the only ones that'll see him. How glorious will that be? How majestic will that be? And once we're gone, the world better get ready. Because the next time they see him, it'll be physical, it'll be visible, and he's coming in the clouds of glory. He's coming with all the saints and the angels, and he's coming for war. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, the world will know. The enemy will know. Prophecy says they'll turn their weapons on him in the air, which is so incredibly stupid. But they are stupid. But until then, until that moment happens, we need to occupy We need to stay busy. We need to do business until he returns. We need to get this fire back, church. We need to get the fire back to tell people about him. Not what somebody else is saying about him. What you say about him. Father, I don't know what else to say or do tonight. But your Spirit does. Lord, your Holy Spirit does. I'm asking for fire. Now we have it inside of us and we have him inside of us. But the early church got extra doses of the fire. We need that. We need it for what's going on in the world. We need to speak the gospel. We need to set the captives free. We need to have the boldness to tell the truth in love and the compassion in our heart to care. Judgment has not happened yet. We're still in the grace and mercy part of the equation. Help us to never forget that. Correct us. Refine us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Speak to your sons and daughters right now. Let them get to know the sound of your voice, the timber in your voice, the vibrational nature of who you are. Because the enemy sends counterfeits. And I want to speak to that. I want to speak to the counterfeit. And I want to speak to the enemy. How dare you? How dare you defy the living God? How dare you defy his anointed and those that he has left behind to do his bidding? Your time will come, and we will all see it, and we will wonder, is this the one that shook the nations? Really? This thing? And we'll be 
whether in the sky or on the ground, will see your defeat. We'll see you put into chains. We'll see your sons and your daughters and your brothers who fell with you put in the pit. But until then, we stand. We stand together in one spirit. We stand together in one voice. We stand together in one intention to preach the kingdom of God, to reach the lost, set the captives free, and to destroy your work to tear down your strongholds, to redeem, to heal, to deliver. In the name above all names, that at the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Yeshua is Lord. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth, no matter where they are, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. He is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. So I believe that before you're put in the pit, before your brothers are put into the lake of fire, before your demonic offspring are destroyed, they will bend their knee and declare him Lord. So, Father, I pray right now, your fire fills your children. You get us inspired and you get us ready to go do the job. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grant. This is Firefall Talk Radio. This has been The Porch, and we've been talking about Upper Room Fire. See you next time.